This is Life Links with a DL Link. Well, it is 12 o'clock um, and this is 101.9 High FM. This is the DL Link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. And this is the last Thursday in November. And wow, I mean, December is here. How quickly it has come. How quickly 2017 has flown. And so many things to look back on in 2017. So many wonderful achievements. They've been Huge challenges globally, politically, economically. But it's wonderful sometimes to sit in our bubble in the DL Link and just focus on our community and the incredible work that the DL Link continues to do. So we're going to do what we always do during this hour. We're going to bring you stories and information. And today's show, we're going to be focusing on something that we all should be doing a lot more of it makes us feel fantastic. It makes us look fantastic and hopefully it makes us live a little bit longer. And I'm talking about exercise and sports. And, you know, exercise and sports is playing a larger and larger role in the cancer world, certainly with the DL Link, because the DL Link is partnering with many wonderful sporting events that are happening around the world as awareness campaigns, as fundraising campaigns. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And I also have an incredible warrior who's going to be sharing her story and exercise and sports is such a focal point and has always been such a focal point in her life. And she's going to be sharing how she manages her treatment and her exercise at the same time. Um, and then I'm going to be chatting to a sports psychologist. So it's all around sports and exercise and awareness and staying healthy. Um, I'm really hoping we're going to hear from you. I hope you're going to give us some input. Um, are you a sports fanatic? Do you spend a lot of time in the gym on the road do you enjoy your running do you enjoy your cycling we'd love to hear from you um, our sms line is 34519 you can sms us on 34519 or you can call us in the studio on 010-140-3020 that is 010-140-3020 Right, so let us get started because just a few weeks ago, I'm not sure where you were on a particular Sunday when you were told, careful where you live because you may not be able to get very far. And that had all to do with the 94.7 cycle challenge. And um, the wonderful news is that the DL Link had a team, a 94.7 uh, challenge. They, there was a representation and I have got um, a, a young man. In fact, when he arrived for the interview, I just thought he was a, a, a young schoolboy who was just walking around. And this is our guest and I'm overwhelmed that this young man has achieved so much and has done such an incredible thing for the DL Link. So he's going to tell us a little bit more about that. And his name is Shimshon Cranus. Shimshon, welcome. Yeah, how's it? How old are you? I'm 16 currently. 16. How many 94.7 races have you ridden the, before? This was my third. I'm finished. You started when you were 13 years old. When I was 14, when I was 15. So the question is why? What what has drawn you to getting on a bicycle and taking part in a race? Do you love cycling? I love it. Well, it's like always, it's, always it's you've enjoyed it. That you like you start yeah. and then like the bug bites you and you just want to do it again and again and again. 
and and uh, you've got a group of friends that do it with you, or yeah. how does that? That's amazing, Shimshon. That is just wonderful. So why the ninety four point seven? I mean, besides the fact that it's quite a tough race, right? Um, what 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 does it mean for you in the past, not this year, in the past? Who were you representing? In the past, I was re- representing Hatola mm-hmm. because they were the first charity. I was told that was having a team. I right. was making a team. Right. And they also do incredible work. They do. So then I rode for them and I raised, uh, raised money for them. Fabulous. How, how do you raise the funds? Do you get people to sponsor you? Yeah, I, ra- I, I approach various people that I know and I ask them, how I'm writing for this organization. They do incredible work. Would you like to sponsor me? Wow. Wow. And what school do you go to? Sharitara. And are they very proud of you? Hope so. Hope so. Well, they must be. I mean, look what you're doing. It's it's great work. So let's talk about how the DL Link got involved with the 94.7 um, Cycle Challenge. Tell us. So basically, where a few months ago, uh, I decided, me and a few friends, we would do it again. Mm-hmm. And we so we approached us and said, "Hey, we've done it once, twice. Oh, can we do it a third time?" Right. And I said, "No, actually, this year we're not so keen on making a team." So I was like, especially my mother also, she was saying. Well, you have to ride for someone. It's like it gives such meaning to your race. Absolutely. Uh, so I spoke to a friend, Moshe Jacobson, and he said, okay, we'll put one together. So I asked him, so who should we ride for? And he said, like, without even blinking an eye, he said, the DL Link, because his mother was a twi- uh, two-time warrior, mm-hmm. and she was helped really? quite greatly by the Had DL you Link. heard of the DL Link before? Shimshu? I had, like, in passing. I didn't uh-huh. know what they did at all. So what did you do? Did you make the phone call? Tell us how you yes, how you so arranged I, it. I emailed Michelle Goodman, uh-huh. and she said, yeah, I'll put you in touch with my daughter, Tammy. And then I just went on from that. We, so two young, two young teenagers yeah. decided we're going to ride for the DR Link. And how many riders did you land up having? Around 30, I think. 30. Amazing. And, you know, from Michelle, she just said it was the most phenomenal, phenomenal event. So how does it work? Do you ride with the names of warriors on your back? How Did you get to meet the warriors? How, how does it work? Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were uh, we had a meet and greet brunch. Mm-hmm. The warrior that I was riding for didn't happen to be at the brunch, but mm-hmm. I saw a lot of meetings between cyclists and the warriors, and it was very touching. That night or the next night after that, I got in touch with my warrior, and I was very impressed by her journey. Mm-hmm. Um, this is taken from the DL Link Facebook page. Um, someone wrote this, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, Shimshon, but this person says, I've been fighting colon cancer for the last two years. Fighting cancer is a lonely place, even when surrounded by family and friends. Yet the support of a total stranger somehow has a profound impact on those of us fighting this battle. A burden shared is a burden halved. And support from all at the Deal Link has definitely lightened my load. I'd like to thank the rider who is riding in my name. You have no idea what it means to me that a total stranger would do this for me. It empowers me to keep fighting. You give me strength to carry on, and hopefully knowing this will in turn give you the strength to keep pedaling when your legs are burning and your breath is short. That's a wonderful connection, Shimshon. It's just given you a taste, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's almost created a path for you in life, you know. You're gonna be doing what you're doing, but I think there's gonna be a lot of giving involved. Yeah, and started it teaches so young. you something special when you see what something that might seem irrelevant or like nothing to you mm-hmm. it has such an impact on someone that has such a hard 
battle to fight. Mm, absolutely. What stands out for you the most, um, having dealt with the DL Link and doing this kind, besides this connection that you've just mentioned, what really stands How out much, for you? What I found was that they really, they really, really cared for the people that they cared for. Mm. And, yeah. We're going to we're going to take a break. After the break, I'm just going to ask you what's involved in preparing for a cycling challenge because the next challenge um coming across the DL link is of course the Jerusalem Marathon and we've got an expert in the field of running who's going to be telling us about that. So maybe you can just give us a quick idea for those people because I can only imagine it's going to be if I know Michelle and I know Tammy next year they're going to be putting another team together um together for um the 94.7. So maybe you can just give us an idea. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. Welcome back to the DL Link. Ten minutes past twelve o'clock. I'm Nikki Seberini, um, and uh, this is the show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination. The DL Link, of course, being in this organisation, working in the community since 2010, founded by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Atsula, and just providing a space of nurturing and emotional support and spiritual support and just lifestyle support for those who are battling cancer as well as for their families it's it's a kind of support that's quite difficult to describe but it makes all the difference time after time we have warriors in the studio um, who share um, the wonder and just the incredible um, sensation to be held so gently by this wonderful organization so we are talking sport we're talking the role that sport plays in highlighting awareness fundraising um, and I have an incredible 16-year-old, Shimshon Cranus, who is in the studio. He just recently represented the DL Link um, for the 94.7 Cycle Challenge. He rode with a particular warrior's name on his back. He has spoken uh, spoken about what a moving experience it was, but not really how grueling the experience was. Is it grueling, grueling Shimshon? I mean, yeah. this is your third one. I, I know. I mean, I, I've been there for two. I've been standing on the side handing out water it's been hot i've seen people wearing i don't know bunny outfits and because everyone's representing some charity cows and you know all funnily dressed and and just standing there i'm exhausted watching them what's the experience like well this there's a concept of the more work you put in the more reward you reap right so the harder it is and the more you push yourself the better you'll feel afterwards during the race or before the race after the race. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, you you pushing yourself as in training and preparing or you've just pushing yourself? I mean, I can imagine you're pushing yourself. Pushing yourself, during the, training during the every, race. Everything, every, every, every. Wow. How often do you train during the week? Once a week, try it. Really? Is that all? Well, then I'd go impressive. once a week, I try to have like a nice long ride. Right. And then I'll have like an hour ride on my trainer. Just during the week. Okay, so that sounds that sounds okay. That sounds like something I could do. So maybe the ninety four point seven challenge is not so out of my sphere of what I'm capable of. Shimshon, thank you very much for joining us. It's been lovely, lovely having you on the show. Is there any message you want to put out there to those who are thinking about taking part in the challenge and certainly representing the DL Link? Yes, my my 
my greatest advice to give to someone is that if you're going to do something, you may as well put a bit of meaning into it and it will push you on to extraordinary things. Mm, that's the best message ever. Shimshon, thank you. Lovely having you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So we're moving from cycling to running. And um, I don't know if it's just me, but I just seem to see more and more and more people taking up the sport of running. Um, and I've read many articles on how good it is psychologically for people. Um, you're talking about the chemicals, the right chemicals that are being released. Um, and there's a whole science behind it. And the wonderful news, of course, is that we have the Jerusalem Marathon just around the corner, March. And the DL Link, once again, is putting a team together. In fact, tonight they are launching <coughs> the uh, marathon, the 2018 Jerusalem Marathon, and I do hope you're going to go to that launch. They're looking for 70 runners. Are you going to be one of them? There's a fabulous launch tonight, and even if it's something that you don't think you can do, but you're sort of entertaining the thought, well, I have the right guest in the studio who's possibly going to push you in the right direction in terms of how you can be preparing the science behind running. And it's Daryl Kruger. He's a physiotherapist. He's a runner himself, and he's looking at the science behind this incredible is it a sport definitely it is definitely. a sport daryl welcome sure hello hello lovely to have you on the show have Good. you always run uh no i've actually taken up the running more in the last three years that's what i'm finding a lot of people <laughs> are taking it up a little bit later in life yeah look I've, I've been training since i was 12 years old i've been training in the gym every single day i've done karate i play tennis um, so I've done a, I've done a lot sporty. of sport. Yeah. Okay. I've done a lot of sport. How I came into running is actually having done a, a course from Canada, a physiotherapy course, and the bug bit me because I wanted to know more and more. Mm -hmm. And then I started. It bit you just because of the knowledge or because you then started running I started, and you loved it? Okay. I started at the same time mm -hmm. because I want to be able to put into practice exactly what I'm learning. So... What I've done over the last three years is I've studied the physiotherapy part from um, the physiotherapy from the from America. Mm -hmm. I've done their courses in physiotherapy from England, from Canada, from Australia. Wow! I've um, now starting to do work in podiatry, right? Because when you start looking at the whole concept. As a physiotherapist, you don't get the whole concept of running. You need to combine. I've combined physiotherapy. I'm learning podiatry, biokinetics, biomechanics. I'm looking at um, the training of, of running, the techniques of running, mm -hmm. um, strength training for running. So running, you're running holistically, you're looking at everything Every to do to do with running. So, so basically, if someone comes to you, they want to start running, or they are running, or whatever it is, you're going to offer everything. You're going to do everything. Sure, that's fabulous, fantastic. Uh, there's another part to it, yeah, which is actually the physiology, mm -hmm. uh, which I have um, connections at at Wits University, which I spoke to them probably two years ago about it. So we'll get into that. The more technical part of the physiology of running, but I've, as a physiotherapist, have looked more at the biomechanics. So everything I've mentioned with the strength training, and the running shoes, and drills for running, incorporate all of that. Can anybody now? I know 
anybody can run. But can anybody run? Um, yes. We're all built differently. Yes, Is it good for some and not good for others? Let's be honest. Because I don't think it's good for me. No. I, I think that you anybody can run, mm-hmm. but I think you need to get yourself into a little bit of shape first. Okay. In other words... If you're going to start to run and you... Get in shape before you start running. Yeah. That's interesting. Tell us why. Because when, you, when you're running, um, running is in one plane of, of, of movement. Mm-hmm. We call it the sagittal plane of movement. It means you're just going in a straight direction. Yeah, okay. But if you play other sports, you're going to move in lots of different directions. If you think of a soccer player, they're moving in lots of directions. Mm. They're moving backwards. They're moving to the side. Mm. So that works the muscles... In a lot more ranges of movement. Right. So as a runner, you've got to strengthen your body not only in the planes of movement that make you just go straight forward, but in a side plane and rotation. So there's a lot of strengthening work to be done because when you strengthen your body, you are going to improve your running economy. It means that you... You, you're more efficient to run. And I suppose and you've less got a stronger injury. body. Less injury. Less injury. Okay. There's, there's, there's lots of benefits for, for, for strength training because it means that you're also able to get off the ground quicker. We have something called a ground contact time. It means that you can just get off the ground that much quicker. So, Gee, was there really is a science behind yeah. it? I know a friend of mine who loves her running was having problems with her knees. And at the end of the day, she was told that it's because her glutes aren't strong enough and she needed to tighten her glutes while she was running. Okay, so if you actually think of, the, of her injury being at, at, at the knee, the knee actually happens to be between the foot and the top of the hip. Right. It's just in between. So a lot of the problems are actually happening either at the foot or at the hip, and the knee gets affected just because it happens to be in between. Mm-hmm. So you're correct. You need to strengthen all the gluteal muscles, all your core muscles, so it all helps in your running. So your trunk muscles, all the core training, you need to be strong on your, on your whole body. It's not just a case of you just get out and run because you're more likely to get injured then. Hmm. If you're not actually prepared for it. Well, it makes sense. It's almost like you have the muscles supporting the skeleton so that you're doing the contact. Because for me, running is quite jarring. And it's I feel heavy when I'm running. It doesn't feel like it's this effortless flow. But maybe if certain muscles of mine were a little bit stronger... Maybe it wouldn't feel like it was such a struggle. But, and I think it's very interesting. I think a lot of people listening, maybe it's a whole different change in mindset that if you're going to take on running, you, you can't ignore the core. You can't ignore strengthening exercises. They work together. Well, the funny thing is that, you know, years ago when we, we trained in the gym, we used to do a lot of isolated movement. Mm. I would call it a leg extension machine, a leg curl. Yes. And then we started with functional movement, where you see whole body movements. Um, but in order to run, you actually need to go back to working on these isolated movements, like doing heavy calf raises, heavy leg extensions, heavy leg curls, because basically what's happening is that when you use the whole body in a big functional movement, you don't create as much force as you can if you just isolate the muscles and you train very heavy. So most runners will not even know about this. Even my friends who are very experienced in running, they think that they, the way they run is that the way they, they train. In other words, if you're a distance runner, mm. you're running for endurance, 
they think that when they get into the weights room, that they must do lots of repetitions. But you don't want to repeat what you've done when you're running in the weight room. So what would you do in the weight room? So what you need to do is actually get down to actually doing something like six to eight repetitions or even four to eight repetitions of three to four sets, and it's heavy weight training. Building muscle. Building muscle, but it also helps on tendons. So basically when you're running, it's actually the tendons that actually store the energy to actually give you what we call free energy to actually move. So it's, uh, it's quite technical. Fantastic. And, and there's obviously, you, you know, so, so in answer to my question, mm-hmm. can everybody run? So I would say yes, but also depends. So if you, so some people might think, oh, running is bad for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to get injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to cause arthritis. Mm-hmm. If you really have arthritis, well, then unfortunately it does make a difference. But running is actually very good for you. And the problem is in getting um, running-related injuries, a lot of it has to do with load management. In other words, are you training sensibly? You're not overdoing it. There's no over overuse. There's no overload. So that is one of the biggest problems is you're doing too much too soon. Okay. Okay, so you're saying build it up slowly. Build it up slowly. Build your body. Make it, make sure that your body is strong. I like sure. this idea of the strong core because if sure. it cause, it's, well, it's a, the center of everything. Well, so that's it's an it's a strong message. Well, the the, the funny thing is that you know, you're talking about the core, and we all think the core, but what you actually need most is very strong calf muscles. Okay. You need to train the calves. Actually, take the greatest amount of load. They're taking six to nine times body weight. So that is why I'm calling people to go and do heavy strength training because you're going to build up more strength to be able to to tolerate that load. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you did something like four or five sets of that very heavy calf raises and even one leg calf raises, it's actually equal to going out and running 40 kilometers. And, you, you, can, know- and you can do it in, in uh, a couple of... Ten minutes. I I love watching people run, and in fact, my husband and I often say, "Well, there, this is this type of a jogger. That's a that type of a jogger." You get some; they've just got this natural gait. Others shuffle along, kind of like what I do when I'm running. Mm-hmm. But if you look at long distance runners, and you're looking at the marathons, these guys are very very slender. They are very very light footed. They're not muscular. They not uh, they don't look particularly strong. They just look very, very agile, and they look like they kind of light um, weight to 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 handle sure. the long distance. Yes, it, that does make a difference. Um, but they could even be better if they had the knowledge to be able to strength train. Okay. So this is what's missing. Okay, I like that. Listen, we're going to take a break. Um, If you have any questions for Daryl, you know, if you are taking up the sport of running, if you're interested in it, if you have any questions, if you've had any problems with your running, Daryl Kuga, physiotherapist, is in the studio. Um, We're going to take a break. After the break, we're going to be talking about the the DL link um, and also how he's going to be helping runners get ready for the Jerusalem Marathon coming up in March 2018. Stay with us. This is Lifelinks with a DL Link. 
If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. Welcome back to the DL Link show. Um, we're talking sport. We're talking running. We have the Jerusalem Marathon coming up. And once again, the DL Link is putting a team together. Israel is turning 70 years old next year. 70 years young, I would rather say. And so the DL Link um, are aiming to send over 70 runners to represent the DL Link and to run with the name of a warrior on their back or one or two warriors on their back. So um, if you thinking about it now's the time to start preparing to start getting ready Daryl Kruger who's a physiotherapist and he has studied running all over the world and the holistic approach to running is in the studio he's here to answer any questions that you may have you can sms us on 34519 you can call us on 0101403020 so Daryl let me ask you this if people are thinking about a Jerusalem marathon in March when do they start training for it? So it's all going to depend on have you run before. <laughs> so you're going to have people who are or runners that are so used to doing marathons and they've been training the whole time. So it's much easier. It's obviously. much easier. Okay. Um, you know, so the thing is that they've got a full marathon, a half marathon, and I, I think a 10K and even 5Ks. Yeah. So it depends what you want to... I think to, they can walk the 5K. Yeah, they can walk the 5Ks. Mm. You can run the 10. It's, it's for me. <laughs> so so we'll create um, programs for those people who want to run the 10K. We'll create a program for, for 10K. So potentially maybe they haven't run before. Mm-hmm. Some might have run before. But if they haven't, we'll see who has um, run and, and, ha- and hasn't run and what, what their fitness is like. And we'll take it from there. We'll, we'll have to close So they would body. contact you and you working with the deal link to yes. prepare yes. the runners for the marathon. So um, there are two other runners that potentially are going to help. And mm-hmm. the one is um, my friend Julian Karp, who's done over 700 marathons and ultra marathons in Africa. He has um, the highest number of marathons. Mm-hmm. And then I've just met up with Samson Tevez, a Kenyan, who has been taking me for the last week on three runs. Wow. And have uh, you survived? Well, I you have, have survived. You to tell I the have tale. survived. <laughs> um, but it's been absolutely amazing. Really? I just copy what he does. He's in front of me by about 10 meters. And obviously he pushes me. And he can do a marathon in 2.15. He ran nationally for Kenya in the 1,500 meters and 800. Gee. So now he's got into marathons. So for any of you people doing park runs... Well, he can probably do it in th- about 13-something minutes. Really? Yep. Wow. Um, I ran with him <laughs> the other day. Uh, at the end of the 12Ks, we were in Grant Avenue in Norwood. He said, now we're doing 100 meters. I started. He had finished because it, it was just so quick. The next time I ran with him, I actually wanted to take note what actually happened when, when we start together. Yes. I think I got... Quarter of the way he was finished. Everybody in the street just just stared. They couldn't Is he sprinting? Be- he's not sprinting. jogging. He's no, this sprinting. was at the end. Okay. He says in Kenya, at the end, we sprint. We sprint. Because we have to be able to uh, beat the Ethiopians. Ethiopians have uh, better sprinting technique. We are better at the long distance. We just got to make sure that we are probably a couple hundred meters in front of them 
towards the end. When they start sprinting. When they start sprinting. You must love that. I mean, there must be. I am in my element. (laughs) (laughs) To be sprinting with him. And And is he, is he really, you know. He's going to be there this evening. Uh, is he for yeah. the launch? Okay, yeah, we're going to be coming. talking a lot about a oh, great, great, great. Mm-hmm. Of course, the launch happening tonight mm-hmm. at 7.15. I'll give all the details out. This mm. is the launch for the Jerusalem Marathon 2018. We're looking for 70 people to volunteer. Mm. And we have the wonderful Daryl who is going to be helping you. He's going he's gonna to help you every step of the way. It starts off with a dream, a desire. You heard Shimshon talking about doing something for other people, the wonderful giving, and here's an opportunity to get fit and to give at the same time. You've got running shoes, which you've just sort of put on the table <laughs> here, and they're staring at me. And and I sometimes question this whole running thing because mm. so much money is spent on these shoes. And Tim Noakes once said to me, we were actually born to run barefoot. Okay, so let me uh, let me explain that quickly. Mm-hmm. Is that... You've got to even let's let's give an example of, of of the Kenyans. So maybe they've been living in a pre-industrialized uh, way compared to here in Joburg, where you've been brought up wearing high heel shoes mm-hmm. or higher shoes as mm-hmm. a, as opposed to being barefoot. So it all depends on what your foot is used to. So the thing is that when you've been brought up barefoot, you you are able to take a shoe that is much lighter, mm-hmm. and this is what we're going to go into when, well, I'm opening, going to be opening a, a running shop uh, with a scientific way of, of choosing shoes, and we use something called the Minimalist Index. In fact, Tim Noakes is somebody who's been part of 42 people that have actually put that together. Mm-hmm. And when you, um, uh, um, somebody who's been brought up in Johannesburg and you're not used to running barefoot, you start taking a shoe, which is what you call a more traditional shoe, that is going to have a much higher, which we call um, stack. Right, at the back there. This, yes. is, this is the stack height. Mm-hmm. We have a stack height, and then, so that's at the, the heel, and then at the forefoot, we have, um, call it another height, but the difference is what we call a drop. So when we've got bigger drops, that's for more traditional Shoes, and that's what you're going to probably find the majority of people running in Joburg using. But if you want to race, people start to take runners start to take a lighter shoe and start going towards a more uh, less of a drop. Mm-hmm. But th- the whole point is, is what you are used to. So, in other words, there's going to be a specific shoe for you for you okay and we don't want you to deviate that much when you start buying new sh- new shoes and in fact does it make it a lot more expensive it's if it's specifically for you no it's just no not at no. all it's just you just have to get a shoe that is fitted out okay. correctly okay i like that it's, yeah so okay so, so this is all part of the process Daryl. That's part okay of the so process. i want to we we you're going to come back in a moment but i'd like to introduce our warrior for the show because she loves to jog um this is she is she is fit she goes to gym this is what she loves to do um and it's something that she's continued to do while she is um on her cancer journey and maybe not to the same extent, but it certainly is something that she's um, very, very passionate about. Mm. So I'd like to welcome Gugu Leetu Halwala. Um, Gugu, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for holding for us and, and thanks for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. So, so Gugu, I mean, you love your running. And here I have Daryl Kruger in the studio, and he's talking about these different shoes. And have you been running? Have you been jogging for many years? Oh, for as long as I can remember. For that long? Yeah. And, and what is it that's drawn you to running? It's, it's just your time. You, you know, I just love it. Gugu, you know what? We're going to have to phone you back. This is just not, this is not a great line and you've got such an important story to tell. So we're going to give you a call. Maybe, is there a landline? Maybe we'll give you a call on a landline. Stay there, Gugu. We're going to get hold of you again. Don't, okay. don't leave us. Thank you. Thank you. So let's go back, Daryl. I mean, here Gugu's talking about this is, she's loved running. She's done it for many, mm-hmm. many years because it's her time. It's time out. <laughs> and, um, Let's let's just talk about that. We are going to be chatting to a, a, a sports psychologist just, just now, but let's just talk about that runner's high. That which this is really what gets people coming back because running can be sore and it it's tiring and it's it's hard on the body. But you reach the runner's high. Does it come at a different time for different people? I've never experienced the runner's high. Clearly, I've never pushed myself that hard. The the funny thing is, and this is actually Tim Lokes's theory. Mm-hmm. That why when everybody's running, they've done a major distance, they're exhausted. In fact, when you are e- exhausted, your your foot strike generally changes to a heel strike. Mm-hmm. You might have started off something different or even if you did start at a heel strike. But things change because you are fatigued. Mm-hmm. Why you can be one kilometer away from the end, 500 meters from the end. And suddenly you can just run unbelievably. You just, you're sprinting. It happens. It happens. It's the runner's high. It's part of the runner's high, but your fatigue is actually not happening at the level of your muscles. Your brain is, is uh, telling you what to do. Okay. Yep. All right. Very well, interesting. We'll come back to that. Yeah. We'll yeah. come back. Google, you there? Yeah. Oh, I'm really hoping this is a this is a better line, Gugu. Thanks so much for being so patient with us. So, you know, you've had you've had a harrowing year. I suppose that is the year to the way to describe it because you you've said it's been a year and you had just come back from a a wonderful ten kilometer jog when you you found a lump in your breast and your whole life turned completely upside down. Perhaps you can share yeah. it with us. So, I mean, running gives me a high. It's a feeling after. You know, when you finish running, you just you feel like you're on top of the world. So, I come back from my one and I'm feeling great. I keep taking a bath, and then I feel this lump on my right arm break. I take on the other one, I feel nothing. I go back to the other one, and then I, I still feel this round little thing that I don't understand and instantly I got it right mm. I just thought okay this must be cancer and I'm dying it's sure. cancer that's, that's what you thought of immediately you felt the lump you said this is it I'm dying I've got cancer so, so, so the only reason why I didn't try to find a doctor immediately is because it was in the evening it was late and otherwise I would have gone somewhere to get someone who can just feel it and tell me what's going on. Right. So the following day, immediately, I got a, an, an appointment with my GP, um, who checked me and um, referred me to a radiologist. 
where I did the mammogram and we didn't find anything with the mammogram. We did the, the, the radiology this was suspected. This was not sensitive. Nothing to worry about. But then she decided to go further and do a sonar, and that then she found that there was more hmm. within the inside, which then was cancerous, and they diagnosed me with lobular cancer. And and Gu, you had a double mastectomy. I had. A, I decided to have a double, although it was on one breast. I decided that they must you must just cut both, and then you know because um you know with the talks that I had with my doctors, they said it has a tendency of coming on the other breast at a later stage. Mm-hmm. And that, that was that was that awful? How, how did you cope with that? You know, I'm very strong and um, I've learned with this to be very patient and very positive. Right. So for me, it was just, I'm going to do it for my kids, for my husband, I'm doing it for my family and for myself. And I need to get this over and done with because I need to get back on the road. My life is on the road. I need to run. So sure. I'm going to put myself out. I'm going to be patient for the nine or so weeks that I had to be stored. And then after that, I was back on the road and I'm back so forth. I did the discovery. Um, you know, the race is back here for discovery. And I did the four to 21 and I'm back. So you, you took time out because I, I'm only repeating it because the line still unfortunately isn't very clear. You took time out after the double mastectomy and now you're back on the road and you're running again. And if you had to compare how you were before the cancer and now, have you had to make adjustments? Is it more difficult? Is it more challenging? Not at all. There's no challenge. It's the same. In fact, I just want to try and run longer distances. I've only done, the longest I've done is a 21. I want to try a 32 and maybe even a 42 at a later stage. Nothing oh, wow. has changed. Oh, wow. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So the cancer just didn't get in your way. It doesn't get in your way at no. all. Not at all. Hmm. Yeah, well, I just, I just get hot flushes now and again, but that's okay. I can deal with it. <laughs> You spoke about getting support from people um, because you are also an avid gymmer and gym buddies stopping over, yeah. giving by uh, making some food for you. That's been yeah. a great support for you. So, I mean, that's the time that you need, you need people, you need things. And unfortunately, I mean, like me, I, 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 I wasn't open to that. But I had one friend who insisted on cooking and dropping off food and just supporting you in every way, which really helps because you need it. Even though you don't know, even though you don't want to accept it, maybe, but you need it. Yeah, one really needs it. Gugu, I, I wish we could continue talking. It's just such a bad line, unfortunately. So I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you very, very much for joining us and for, for sharing your story. We wish you great health and vitality and energy. Um, I wish it was a better line, but thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. There was Gugu Letu, um, Halwala, um, our breast cancer warrior. Um, she was in the latest, in the September, October edition of Buddies for Life. And there she is in the gym. She loves her gym. She loves her exercise. And just, you know, that within a short space of time, she was back on the road. Um, and that's it, Daryl, you know, this absolute dedication to her health and to her exercise. I mean, when people run, they, they, they take their running seriously. It's a, they, they pretty dedicated to their running. It's an incredible thing. Sure. Now regards this lady, 
after her mastectomy. Yes. What one needs to look at is her ranges of movement of her arms afterwards. Did once you have um, operations for the cancer, have you restored your body as best as you can back to to as normal as possible? What I'm saying is that with the mastectomy, there's potential that you might lose range of movement of the arms. Mm. So that's an important aspect in terms… Because there's muscle, there's muscle right. cut yeah. in the chest area. So, so with all different cancers, once you're having um, certain operations, that is where it's important that um, physiotherapy can step in or biokinetics, that you can get better uh, mobilization, strength training. You want to be able to uh, get um, lean body mass back up again. So it's all very important. So you need to look at the situation of, of the cancer patient very holistically. Mm. So that, that's really important. Mm. Have you worked with lots of cancer patients? I've worked Darryl? with a number. I mean, last year I was I was seeing a, a good number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So post post treatment? No, even before even even before you have treatment. Because so tell us, explain. The on thing that. is that that if you start, it's even you consider it the same as if I was going to have. Even a knee operation, right. a knee replacement. If you start with prehabilitation, in other words, you're starting to uh, do a little bit of exercise before, um, strengthen the muscles, try and improve your, your endurance, and then you have the operations, you can probably come back quicker or get out of hospital quicker uh, and get back to um, more normality quicker. So are you working with cancer patients who have had operations, um, not necessarily who are going for, let's say, ongoing chemotherapy? I've done all of that. Because yeah. I'm, just, I'm just wondering how when you're yeah. going through chemo, this loss of appetite, this yes. unbelievable exhaustion, right. your body is fighting so hard. Would you recommend someone exercise? Is no, it something? so, so they, you have to get clearance from your oncologist or doctor right. on what you can do at a speci- at, at each specific stage, mm-hmm. so they will give give guidelines because yes you you might have um low blood counts uh, and then it makes it very difficult. but what I'm saying is that when you do feel at your best, then you do try and do exercise, even if it's a little bit at the time, because you want to be able to maintain your endurance, you want to be able to try and maintain. Um, lean muscle mass. Mm. All and those rehabilitation is is very important yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to get back on yeah. track. Let's take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be chatting to a, char- a sports psychologist in a moment. So yes, don't go anywhere. This is Life Links with a DL link. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link. Consider advertising or sponsoring the show. 101.9 High FM, the DL Link show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination. We're talking about, well, we were talking about the 94.7 challenge and the team that the DL Link sent through. Um, we're talking about the Jerusalem Marathon that is coming up in March 2018. There is going to be a wonderful launch tonight. If it is something that you are thinking about, if you've always wanted to but thought, hmm, 
make the decision. Why don't you just go along to the launch? This incredible runner that you were talking about, Daryl, is going to be here. This Kenyan runner is going to be there. It's at 7.15. You're going to find out more about this extraordinary event. Not only will you be getting fit, you're going to be representing the DL Link. You're going to be representing a warrior, and you are going to Yerushalayim. What more could you ask for? It's happening tonight, quarter past seven, um, at the DL Link, which is 20. Second Avenue. So it's 202nd Avenue, Corner Joseph, and that's in Highlands North. I will give the details again just in a few minutes' time. But you know, we've, t- we've spoken physio- uh, physiotherapy, we've, we've had a warrior. It's important to look at the mind aspect as well. We sort of looked at the, the runner's high, but people, there's a lot of science behind um, the positive impact that exercise has on the brain and all the incredible chemicals, never mind the physical benefits. So I have Dr. Hreiling Filyun, um, who is uh, a private clinical psychologist um, and psychotherapy and sports psychologist um, to tell us a little bit more. Dr. Hreiling, um, uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us. So we're talking about sport and their wonderful impact and exercise that it can have on the body, how we have to prepare the body. Let's talk a little bit about the mind. There's a lot of science behind the positive impact it has, right? Yes, yes. Um, sport, uh, sport is, uh, or just physical activities uh, can become one of the main um, you know, vehicles to improve your your mind and specifically the the, the mood. So that is, you know, that has been been proven um, that physical physical activity can reduce anxiety or lift the mood, so improve depression. Um, so it's not just for the physical purpose, but but also for the for the mind and the mental purpose that one uh, should actually do physical activity. Doctor. Perhaps you can just, in very simple terms, explain how that works. How could it possibly affect the mind when we're working the body? You know, the, the interesting thing is that the, the, the direct link or causality has not been proven. So mm-hmm. we assume that it affects the serotonin in the in the brain, which is the you know the chemical, chemical the good feel uh, or the feel good chemical in the brain. That uh, medication also uh, affects the level of serotonin in the in the brain, but what we have found with uh, what they have found with activity is not necessarily that it improves the the, the chemistry in the in the brain, but they ha- it has been proven that it lifts the the, the mood. So the direct cause has not been proven. So it could also be the, the the secondary effect. So when one exercises, you start feeling better about yourself. Maybe you lose a bit of weight. Maybe you you look a little bit better when you look in the mirror, and that makes you that makes you uh, feel better. Mm-hmm. But it's a and and it's not a you know a huge amount of exercise that is required. It's it's uh, it's about thirty to forty minutes three times a week, um, and it can either be um, strength uh, training or uh, cardiovascular it does not really make a difference to the effect on the mood mm. as you said so there isn't science behind that actual connection so you're saying you're feeling better because maybe you're looking a bit better but you, you people can you become addicted to exercise because people want want that good feeling well I, yes there is a 
that one can become addicted. So, you know, psychologically it becomes like an obsession. So mm-hmm. you have to do your run, and even if you have a slight injury, you can't. Uh, you still have to do some kind of activity. If you don't do your activity, you do you or or the exercise, and you get agitated. So there is a there is a point, you know, where we can become addicted to to the um, to the um, uh, exercise, exercising, but that is not. You know, I, I think we, we tend to say that it happens easily, but you have to do a lot of exercise before you can really become obsessive about it. And it's not a physical addiction. So it, it's more of a psychological obsession with that you have to do the run or the, the gym session or whatever you've planned for the day or the week, uh, or that, you, that you're obsessed about your goal, achieving your goal, so it's it's more of a psychological um, addiction than a physical addiction to the activity. Wow, we we were talking a little bit earlier about the runner's high. Does is it a, is it a physiological thing? Were you running? You you you're in agony. You want to stop, and then it pushes you. Yeah, it's it's a bit of both. That that runner's high is a reality. If you speak to runners, that is that is, and you have to be to experience the runner runner's high. You know, you've got to be fairly fairly fit and, and train quite regularly. And and uh, you know, just um, there are sometimes it's not it's just brief moment, or it can be a bit of a period where you just feel really good um, during the run, and that you experience that runner's high. Now, uh, that I think that is often a bit of both. Okay. That you that you get into a zone psychologically, but um, where you where you cut off from the from the external world, you're fully in your body. You're experience you're experiencing. It feels like you know that the space is open in front of you. So, and that's a psychological experience. But there also is also the physical side. Which you uh, you know your your whole body is stimulated and uh, the feel good chemicals are you know working and uh, so I think it's a bit of both. Mm, I like that. So for those people who are going to be they they're going to be putting their name down tonight at this launch for the Jerusalem Marathon. Um, they're going to be training their bodies hard. What 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 advice do you have for them in turn in terms of preparing themselves mentally for this kind of challenge? The mental and, and the physical preparation should actually go, you know, go hand in hand. As you improve the one, the other one will also improve. But I, I think it is important that you do some basic goal setting in the beginning. You know, your expectations. What would you like to achieve? Why are you doing it? So that mm. you, that you, that you clear on, on 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 that, and that your that your expectations are also realistic. You know, if you uh, and and it must be personal. So, uh, you know, whether you, do you want to just improve your lifestyle, do you want to go for the experience, or do you, do you really want to try and achieve something? So that if there's clarity on that, that will be, be motivational. Right. And then uh, as you go through the stages and the, and the, and the phases, also to identify the, the psychological development that must go with the physical development. You know, initially in the beginning, I, I think it's just to put your shoes on and, and, and run. Mm-hmm. And, and then after a while, it, uh, it becomes more uh, a case of being able to, to push yourself or to, to, to try and achieve and, and uh, you know, set a bit of a smaller, smaller goals to that you, whether it be distance or, uh, or time. Um, so as you go along, identify all the, also the psychological development 
that has to go with the physical uh, fitness. Oh, fantastic. I like that. The goal setting, I think it makes all mm. the difference. So now yep. you also partook in uh, a cycling trip and you did it for cancer survivors. Perhaps you can just tell us a little bit more about that. That was, that was a couple of years ago that um, I was involved as, as, the, as a psychologist for for C groups that, that we had. Now, how it, um, what we did was we... Um, the, the logistical support was provided by Outward Bound, and then cancer survivors were identified. Different oncological practices nominated people, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, they had to submit this motivation. Why do they want to want to do it? And then we had a small group of people who were cancer survivors. One or two were not in remission yet at that stage, but yeah. they, they but they were cleared by the oncologist to take part. And then we went on. On, on uh, quite very, not quite very strenuous cycling trips. So there was, and then there was a month, month build up to this where they they were doing uh, cycling programs, and then they had to uh, reach certain goals at different stages. And the one trip that we did was in um, was in the Hamkastluf, um, or it's also known as the Hell, mm-hmm. where you, they had to cycle over the Swatbach. Um, Pass over and and down into the Hamkas cliff and back out again. Sure. So that was incredibly strenuous. Sure. It was over four days, and it was absolutely fantastic experience. Um, and the other one was in the Bavarians cliff, and then a small group of us went to uh, went to Europe to go and actually go and watch the Tour de France. Now the purpose of that was when when people have cancer or some uh, you know life threatening disease. After they've recovered, and even after they've been been cleared or they're in remission, sometimes they still perceive their ability and capacity as being diminished. Now they can't do what they used to be able to do. Mm. And then that is one of the purposes of these trips was then to to shift those boundaries again, to say that even though you've had cancer, and to be that examples, you know, sporting examples, we have our own example in South Africa, where where an Olympic medalist had uh, recovered from cancer, you know, not even uh, it wasn't even fully two years before he went to the Olympics. So you wow. one can reach your own physical um, capacity or ability before you got the cancer. You can do do the same things or more after you mm. Sure, I think it's quite a powerful message because I think that. You know, fighting cancer can be so limiting, and now you're saying the limits are no longer there. And and connect with your body once again, the body that that you had, and and, and on that level again, that's very powerful. Yes, yes, and I, I I would say probably, you know, the other thing was with with those groups is also just for amongst the participants to share their stories with each other mm. because they don't often get the opportunities. One assumes that you know that people get the opportunity to tell or tell or share their stories. Sure. And all of them did it. So it is, um, 
it's not, and, and, and some have never cycled before, so suddenly they heard about this thing and they said, let me try this, and because they've, uh, you know, it was partly sponsored, they saw it as a great opportunity, and suddenly they discovered that they can, now they can do more than what they thought they were capable of even before they had cancer. So all in all, it was a, it was a, it was a fantastic Incredible. You know, for us, not just for the Yeah, I can, Im- I can imagine that. Doc, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for bits of the advice you've given some of our prospective runners and also insights with those kind of challenges post-cancer. It's been lovely having you on the show. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Huelen private clinical psychologist, um, and looking at sports psychology. We have run out of time, but I just want to remind you that tonight, the 30th of November, quarter past seven at the DL Link, um, it's a whole launch of the Jerusalem Marathon 2018. They're going to talk about the packages. They're going to talk about the tours, the training programs, because Daryl Kruger will be there talking about designing specific programs for you, the sessions, the Shabbat experience the team t-shirts and a whole lot more. You don't want to miss it. This is going to be one of those experiences in life that make its mark that you will never ever forget. It's number 22nd Avenue. That's 202nd Avenue, Highlands North, quarter past seven, corner Joseph. Thank you so much for joining me, Daryl. Daryl Kruger, thank you very much, Daryl. We're going to be speaking along the way, so you can keep us updated and let us know how our trainers are doing. Um, It's been lovely having you. It's been lovely being with you. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week. Take care. Goodbye.